And while Pastor Bank was teaching, he taught that the manifestation of grace works in two ways, humility and faith. It described humility as just complete dependence on God. Amen? And then he did, he, he wrapped up on Friday by saying that to be effective and grow strong in grace, our praise life will be affected. The messages we'll listen to will be affected. And our prayer life will be affected. And so this morning, I want to just kind of flesh out a little bit on the prayer life as, it's, will be, as it should be affected by the grace of God. Amen? We all understand, without a shadow of a doubt, that a vehicle through which God carries out everything that he does is the Holy Spirit. We are all aware of that. And I want you to know that it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to pray. In and of ourselves, there's no way we have the strength to pray. Because we also need to realize that prayer, although it's work, it is, it is not as a result of trying to please God. It's as a result of working with God. In other words, I don't pray for God to hear me. I don't pray for two hours, three hours, five minutes, two minutes, because I feel like I've spent enough time, and therefore God should hear me. We all understand that this has been settled. There was a divine judgment, and a divine provision paid the price. Therefore, you and I don't have a performance-based work towards God. We have a work from a heart of gratitude. So that once we realize that, it begins to affect everything around us. Amen? And as we focus on prayer today, this is going to be for me like almost a three-part message. The next time I come, I'll, wrap, I'll, I'll still follow through. The third time, I'll follow through. Because I want to take my time to establish this. Amen? For us to understand prayer, we need to see prayer from the perspective of God. Is that correct? Because I've been told that if you're going to understand a thing, you need to understand it from the creator of the thing's perspective, and then you can, you can then be able to do it right. Is that correct? And the truth be told, all of us pray. Every one of us we pray. Especially from those that come from where I come from. We pray. I... I if you've ever been in a good Nigerian setting, I happen to have been in one sometime this year. And my God, even me, I was shaking when I heard all those prayers. I, I, I felt the vibration of it. And to be honest with you, I used to be like that too. I used to think that when I pray, there was just some sort of violence in my head, almost as if you physically want to deal with the enemy. Little did I understand what I understand now, that the enemy has been defeated, that I'm seated at the right hand of God. I don't pray to the throne. I don't pray towards the throne. I pray from the throne. I don't pray to be blessed. I am blessed already. And those are the languages that we have to begin to understand. Because once we understand that language, language it changes your, your, your perspective of prayer Completely. Amen. Amen. So here's my definition of prayer. 
That prayer is just a conversation with God that exhibits our dependence on God's providence in any matter. Let me repeat it. Prayer is just a conversation with God that exhibits our dependence on God for his providence in any matter. I want to take it today from Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Jesus said, men always ought to pray and not to lose heart. King James says, to faint. When Jesus said men always ought to pray, there's a tendency for us to think that you pray 24-7. Do I ever, am I going to ever have time? I mean, should I just leave where I am, go into a quiet place and just continue to pray all the time? And the truth is, if you're able to do that, good. But I think that you'll not be able to do any other thing if that's all we do. But I think that what Jesus is saying is different completely. Where it's coming from is different completely. It says, men always ought to pray and not to faint. Now, help me focus on the word faint. Because what Jesus is saying is, if you don't pray, there's a tendency you will lose heart. Is that correct? And so, what does lose heart mean? Lose heart means I can get depressed, I can get discouraged, and all of that. So, what Jesus was saying in essence is, where there is a lack of prayer, what you will exhibit is depression, discouragement, unhappiness. Those are, that's exactly what he's saying. So in other words, he's now encouraging you. Rather than be that, my encouragement to you is be a man or woman of prayer. That is why Paul would say in Philippians chapter 4, he says, do not be anxious for anything. But through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, you make your request known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will gain guard your heart. Amen? Now, notably also is Paul. Paul wrote a total of about 13 different epistles. However, from my research in the scripture... Paul's mention of prayer and the prayer that he prayed is a total of about 41. Think about it. He wrote 13 books. And in that 13 books, Paul either is admonishing everyone to pray or is praying for them, and he did it 41 times. I want you to just think about that for a minute. The importance of prayer in the life of a believer. The truth is, if if a believer will enjoy the grace of God, your prayer life has to be one that is alive. You can't afford to handle prayer haphazardly. In other words, I only pray when maybe I have a need. Many of us, that's the only time we pray, really. In fact, we lose weight when we're in trouble. And whenever we're asked to come for prayer, the, mark, the question is how many times a day? That's when we show up in front of the, jo- in front of the church. Amen? 
However, that's not what God is talking about. He's talking about a lifelong conversation. Because if prayer is conversation, that means it's based on a relationship. That's right. And if it's based on a relationship, I have to know how to interact within this relationship. So here's Jesus saying to everyone, men always ought to pray and not to lose heart. And Paul would say in different epistles, I do not cease to pray for you. Pray constantly. Pray in all manner of prayer. Pray without season. In other words, just encompass your life with prayer. Because if prayer is a conversation, then by all means is a conversation we need to be having every second of every day. A friend of mine, we shared some scriptures together, and one of the things he said to me um, was very profound. He said, we are always having conversations in our head. Yes. That's the truth. Every minute of every day, we are having conversations in our head. But if you can just channel that conversation to become prayer, every second of every minute, it will make the world of difference. Because it is the little conversations that will lead you to the big conversation. Now, if you get right, that little conversation is like a slow fire. It's like a crockpot process. You take it one step at a time, one step at a time. Then it begins to develop. It's like a person that goes to work out. You walk out the first day. You tell somebody, I walked out. They look at you. You're probably 240 pounds. You told them you walk out. They're going to look at you. Uh-huh. <laughs> a week later, you tell them you walk out. They're still looking at you. But the continuity of that thing begins to pay off over time. Because it begins to show. The weight begins to drop off. And so it is when it comes to prayer. You really have to understand that you're not praying to get God's attention. You already have God's attention. It is important you understand that. When an emergency comes and you run into prayer, it is not trying to get God's attention. God is not just coming on, having an understanding of what you're coming into. He's already aware of it. What he's expecting is that by faith, as you come, you understand he has already done it. There is no need to fret. There is no need to be afraid. He's just saying, as you continuously have conversations with me, your boldness level begins to increase. Your courage level begins to increase. Your comfort level begins to increase. It is something that is so vital, it's like the air you breathe to the believer. You really need to understand that. Prayer is not a luxury. Prayer is not works either. On one hand, it is work. But on the other hand, it is not a performance-based aspect of your life. It is an aspect where you understand that you're settled in God. And I need to have a conversation with him. 
Imagine being married to somebody for the first time, and from there, after you guys leave the altar, you never converse again. It's an abnormality. I mean, everyone will say it's an anomaly. Imagine having a relationship, and every time I come to that relationship, it's because I need something from that person. But I want you to understand, God is not offended by that. Please take that home. Prayer works better for you. You are the you are the end you are the you are the beneficiary of a vital prayer life. Because whatever it is that you're going to ask God for, He already has done it for you in Christ. But what prayer does is like you're walking in step with the Holy Spirit. So begin to know the things that are freely given to you of God. The Holy Spirit begins to guide every of your conversation. The Holy Spirit begins to guide every of your step. So that you are like Paul. I desire to come to Ephesus, but I was held back by the Holy Spirit. You become like a very strong believer that understands the seasons and the times of God. That is what prayer does for you. And that is why it's very important that the language of prayer is something you cultivate and understand. Because if I go to God and say, God, come and heal me, and the scripture tells me by his stripes I've already been healed, the question is how is God going to do that because it's already done? Are you following what I'm saying? In, before I go there, you see, I love to cook. I know you know. <laughs> I enjoy cooking a lot. And one of the reasons why I love cooking is I love ingredients. <laughs> you see, I kind of have conversations with ingredients. I want you to follow me, please. If I take a fig of thyme and I take a fig of rosemary, I know what I expect them to produce when I throw them in the pot. I would take maybe just a pinch off of rosemary because it's very strong. And if I put it in the pot together with a thyme, it would not overwhelm it. So that it brings out the taste and the flavor of what I'm looking for. That's the way I see prayer. Prayer is a combination of different ingredients. The different ingredients of your life that comes together and it produces something beautiful. Understanding that the cook here is the Holy Spirit who takes everything. You know, it's like the art of the apothecary. We have a few pharmacists that are here for you to get Tylenol, 
It's taken from various plants, my understanding, before you produce this one tablet that you put in your system and brings about healing for you. That's what prayer is like. Because you don't say prayer, you make prayer. Please, let, let's, let me take you through scriptures for you to understand that. Open with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16, verse 13. Acts 13, chapter 16, verse 13. Verse 13. He says, and on the Sabbath day, we went out to the city, to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made. Think about it. Where prayer was customarily made. When I cook, I'm making something. I'm putting stuff together to arrive somewhere. Yes, ma'am. That's what prayer is. In other words, prayer should be something you enjoy. It is not something you rush into and rush out. Because it is something you are continuously doing. It is not something that is segregated for a part of the day only. Because the Holy Spirit by the grace of God, is working some things out in your life. You're given the Holy Spirit your heart. The Holy Spirit is making something out of it. That is what prayer means in the life of the believer. In Luke chapter 11, the disciples went to Jesus and said to him, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. Now, if you read that, you just say, okay, let's move on to the next thing. Our Father who art in heaven. But I want to believe that they, there was an observation that was made by these disciples. For me to come to you and say, Pastor Charles, teach me how to go into the field. That means I've watched your life I've seen it produce results. There's something I see you constantly do that I can benefit from. And so I want you to teach me to pray. So Jesus taught them the Lord's Prayer. And for those of you that have always depended on the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer was under the law. And the reason why it's under the law is forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. That's under the law. But Jesus changed the trajectory of it when he said in John, from now on when you pray, I want you to pray in my name. Let's leave the rest alone. That's in John chapter 16. From now on when you pray, I want you to pray in my name. The guarantee for it that is going to happen is because of me. May I submit to you? The only reason why your prayer is answered is because of Jesus. Take it in. Whether you pray for 20 hours, whether you pray for 42 hours, whether you have a marathon prayer for a week, 
the bottom line of why your prayer is answered is because of Jesus. It is not because I said the right words. It is not because I, I sat in a position. I mean, I, I think I shared it here some, some time ago. I know somebody that said to me, there's a particular spot they sit down, and every time they prayed in that spot, God answers. That's what it is. And so, if prayer at the end of the day is answered only because of Jesus, it takes the burden away from you and I. That means we ought now to be enjoying it. Because something you enjoy is something you want to continue to do. If you enjoy watching football, you continue watching football. Is that correct? It's something I enjoy. It takes away the stress. But what prayer does for the believer is way beyond the enjoyment of a football. Because the prayer life as it works with the Holy Spirit is the sustenance of the believer. It is not something that you want to handle in the by and by. Let's continue. I want to read a few scriptures and then I want to break down prayer based on the gospel of grace. Please open with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, this is Paul's admonition. Paul is saying here, pray in all kind of prayer. We can list here the different kinds of prayer. He himself said it. There's supplication, there's thanksgiving. There's a prayer petition. Whatever it is, Paul is saying, this is what I want you to do. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. The benefit of prayer to the believer is not just for you, it is also for your community. Are you following me? It is beneficial to not only you, it is for your community. Are you following me? Now, let's go to John chapter 16, verse 23 to 28. John chapter 16. Jesus said, and in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, when you, when you read words like this, it, it, it begs you to just pause. Jesus is saying here, certainly I'm telling you this, most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Verse 24. Until now, you have asked me nothing in my name. Remember when he taught them the Lord's Prayer? When you pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. I know that because I used to attend a Catholic church. Amen. 
But nowhere in that scripture did he say, in my name. So Jesus now saying, post-resurrection, this is how I want you to pray. Pray, ask the Father. He says, ask and you will receive. That's another bold statement. Stada, he's saying, you ask, you are going to receive. He says, that your joy may be full. In other words, the end product of, ma- of prayer is that you have a life that is joyful. That's what Jesus is saying. Next verse. He says, these things have I spoken to you in figurative language. But the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. And in that day you will ask in my name. And I would not say, I will, and I would, I do not say to you that you shall pray to the, I, I shall pray to the Father for you. Hold there. Jesus saying, I'm saying to you, based on John 20, where you say, where, where, no, not John 20, I'm sorry, based on John 16, when you ask in my name that I will give you, he's saying to you, I'm not saying there that when you go to the Father, that I, that I will go on your behalf. Jesus saying that you are now going to be talking to the Father. However, because of the price of what I've paid for you, you have the confidence now to ask the Father because I will do it by my name. It's already done. He says, for the Father himself loves you. We heard it this morning in every song we sang. That Jesus loves me, this I know. That the reason why God heeds your prayer is because he loves you. And because he loves you, by God is asking you to have some conversation with me. Let's walk together. Let's take it one step at a time. Let's take it second by second, minute by minute. So that when you take it second by second, minute by minute, you begin to have a life that is full. I'll repeat it again. The end product of your prayer life is that you enjoy the fullness that you have in Christ. It is through prayer you tap into what God has provided for you. It is through prayer you begin to understand the things that have been freely given to you by God himself. Now, open with me now to the book of Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 1. 1 Thessalonians, no, sorry, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. First Thessalonians, I'm sorry. First. Okay. It says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The next verse. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Verse 3, remembering without season your work of faith, labor of love, and the patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and Father. Verse 4, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. What is Paul saying there? It says that as we pray, we have this understanding. 
your election by God. And based on your election by God, these are the things that we're praying to God on your behalf. That you begin to see the manifestation of these things in your life. In other words, that you don't need to work. You don't need to do anything to earn what God has given to you. But because you have already been received in Christ, he's saying now, we in prayer are now praying that you begin to tap into these things that God has done for you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Go with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 65. Today, my role is just to establish today that prayer is so vital in your life. It's something I want you to begin to cultivate now. It is something you have to lean on the Holy Spirit to help you. The Bible says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmity. For we do not know how we ought to pray. But the Holy Spirit makes groanings on our behalf. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit that teaches you. Remember what Jesus said. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will teach you all things. All things means all things. Prayer is part of all things. The Holy Spirit will teach you to pray. The Holy Spirit will help you to study the word. The Holy Spirit will help you to praise. The Holy Spirit will help you to hear the voice of God. That is the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. In other words, prayer is not something you do by yourself. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. The scripture says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Neither has it entered into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for them. It says, but they are revealed by who? Holy Spirit. That is why prayer is important to the life of the believer. It was here that I shared it. Please still hold on to Isaiah 65. It was here that I shared it. When Paul would end his epistles, he would write, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We all understand the grace of God. We understand the grace of God. We understand what he does in our life. We understand that the grace of God is being given to us to enable us to live life. It says the love of the Father. We understand that. We sang it this morning. That God loves me. Because he loves me, I am confident. He's made provision for me. There is no lack in my life because God loves me. But then it says the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. What does the fellowship of the Holy Spirit mean? This is what I'm talking about. In other words, to enjoy the Holy Spirit, there's a necessity for fellowship. To know Jesus, you know grace. To know the Father, you know love. But to know the Holy Spirit, you need fellowship. What does fellowship look like? Please don't forget, I'm still coming to Isaiah 65 because we're going to pray. Isaiah 65, but not now. Please go with me to um, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16, but give it to me in the Amplified. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16, give it to me in the Amplified. But I say, walk and live habitually. Take it in. We all know what a habit is. 
A habit is something that is your second nature. It is your nature. It's not your second nature. It is your nature. Water is the habitat of a fish. Take it in. The jungle is the habitat of a lion. The air is the habitat of a bird. But it says here, but I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then, say with me, then. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and the desires of the flesh. He then explained it. A human nature without God. In other words, how can you, a person that is of the spirit, live outside of the spirit? If I try to live outside of the spirit, Jesus said, men always ought to pray and not to faint. What it means is, I would not have power within me. I would possess what is, I, have, I possess it, but I would not see the outworking of it the way I want it. That's why he says, you are not responding as a human. So, when I continuously have this conversation, Brother Jay, please come with me. So, here is the Holy Spirit and me. <laughs> what the scripture is saying here, hear me. It says, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit. In other words, Holy Spirit makes a step. I take the step. Make a step. I take a step. It makes a step. I take a step. It makes a step. I am locked in with the Holy Spirit. We are so glued together. Anywhere he goes, I go. How does this take place? Fellowship. You are living habitually. The word of God is your friend. Prayer is your friend. You are taking time to praise. You do all of these things. You are assured that every step that I take, every breath that I make, it is of the Holy Spirit. God is saying to you here that prayer for you is not a luxury. Thank you. Right, Joseph. But then, for us, one of the things I don't want to, I don't want you to take away from here is, I'm not saying to you, wake up every day and have three hours of prayer. This is a relationship. You develop it. I'm not saying to you, eight hours of praying is bad either. I'm just saying, what is the motivation behind this type of prayer? Am I praying from the throne? Or am I praying to the throne? Somebody told me some time ago, 
He said, Pastor, see, if I don't pray, my day is always messed up. I said, well, he said, you know, she said to me, you know, I'm, I'm very sure God will be upset if I don't pray. I said, okay, here we go again. You pray because you want direction for the day. You pray because he already has the day finished in Christ. And so when I come to pray, if I don't pray, it does not mean God condemns me. I am only depriving myself of the manifestation of this grace of God in my life. Period. That's what it is. So, whether I wake up, I feel like I don't want to pray. There are days I wake up, I don't feel like I want to pray. Are you kidding me? There are days like that. Have you ever wondered why the scripture says man is like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water that have seasons? But the key to all of this is the Holy Spirit. Those times are the times I say, Holy Spirit, I need your strength. I need us to, to help in this conversation. And the minute you start, it just gets better and better and better. So here's what I'm saying. In grace, your language changes completely. So here are a few things that I wrote, and then we're going to go to Isaiah 65, and then we're going to pray. I said, you don't pray to get, you pray to know. The language of prayer when it comes to the gospel of grace. You don't pray to God, you pray with God. You, bo- you don't pray to have, you pray to have directions. You don't, you don't pray from fear, you pray from authority. You don't pray from if, you pray with certainty. Listen, Jesus has said it clearly. Ask anything in my name, I will do it. I mean, how clearer can it be? Ask anything in my name, I will do it. Whatsoever you ask. Paul, we can't, Paul in um, Ephesians chapter 3 says, listen, beyond your imagination, God will do. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask. Jesus said, I thank you because you always hear me. That alone is your own assurance. Because if he said, I pray because you always hear me, and he says, go in my name. Then by God, you have the certainty that your prayer will be answered. You don't pray for favor. You pray because you are already favored. You don't pray as a servant, you pray as a child. You don't pray towards the throne, you pray from the throne. You don't pray to earn God's love. You pray because you know and believe God loves you unconditionally. You don't pray for protection, you agree with God's shield over your life and home. You don't pray to fight the devil. The devil has already been defeated. You are seated at the right hand of God, far above principalities and powers and every ruler and every name that is to be named in this life and even in the world. I mean, what other adjectives can be used to describe the fact that you don't fight the devil? 
The first day I heard that, I, I had a problem with it. Because I fight the devil. I mean, how can you be taking one of the most precious aspects of my prayer away from me? I mean, I deal with this devil. I mean, I get up every day and I say, devil, I bind you in the name of Jesus. But then God is saying to you, don't worry about it. You know, the story was said of R.W. Schambach, that he was upstairs in a place just sleeping, and he began to hear some rattle downstairs, a manifestation of the work of the enemy. And they said he came downstairs, they said, oh, it's just you. And then the guy turned around and said, make sure you rearrange the chairs while I go. That's the level of the authority that you have in God. You are a child of grace. Your heart is established by grace. Please go with me to Isaiah 65. And I want us to pray this afternoon. I'm saying all of these because sometimes many of us give up in the place of prayer. Jesus says men always ought to pray and not to faint. There are so many of us Thinking our prayers are not answered, we've given up on so many things. And you may not articulate it to anyone, but it's just very obvious. There's a whole lot of disappointment. Any one of you here, it can be family life, it can be your job, it can be anything whatsoever. But here's what Jesus came to finish. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, Behold, you are a new creation. All things have passed away, and all things have become new. I want you to please go with me um, to Isaiah chapter 65. I think we're going to begin there from verse 10. No, um, go 12, I'm sorry. Okay. Just a minute, please. And we're going to get ready to just pray now. Okay, let's start from verse 17, I'm sorry. It says, for behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth. And the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. In other words, you're living a new life in Christ. A life that is not yours is an exchanged life. A life that is guided and led by the Holy Spirit. So here's what God is saying. As a new creation, you are going to forget the things that are behind. Verse 18. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. I want you to know you're a creation of God. It says, for behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing and a people a joy. Verse 19. I will rejoice in Jerusalem. You understand the scripture says you are the new Jerusalem. And joy in my people. It says the voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. This is your benefit as a new creation. Verse 18. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. 
For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing and a people, and her people a joy. Verse 19. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Verse 20. No more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die 100 years old, but the sinner, being 100 years old, shall be accursed. 21. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree, so shall the days of my people be. My elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain nor bring forth children for trouble, for they shall be the descendants of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. Verse 24, and it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. Please stand to your feet with me. This is the assurance that you have as a child of God. Please, would you give me this song? What a friend we have in Jesus. And while we're taking that song, whatever it is that is in your heart, the things that you're giving up on, Just, a little, just one minute, please. Whatever it is that is on your heart today, the things that you've given up, that you're thinking, is not possible for God to answer them. I'm just tired. I don't want to pray about this thing anymore. Every day you look at it and it seems as if this trouble is not going anywhere. Today, I want to assure you, it's going to be the end. Today, I want to assure you, my assurance is the word of Jesus. Ask anything in my name. You are going to lift your voice this afternoon. It does not matter where this issue may be. The Bible says, is there anything too hard for God? It says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. The song there says, the only reason... That we don't get what we need is because we don't pray about it. From today onward, I want you to know that prayer is a good resource for you. Yes. I want you to run with the Holy Spirit to pray always. Yes. In all circumstances, in all situations, in every kind of prayer. Yes. But this afternoon, you're here, you're saying with me, I want you to agree with me in prayer. There are things I can't even speak out. But I feel the pain in my heart. I want to assure you today. The Bible says no more voice of weeping or crying will be heard in the heart of the new creation. 